welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. If I don't know what to do with my life, there will be times where I find myself opening up the pantry door, opening up the fridge door, and just kind of grabbing a handful of this, grabbing a handful of blueberries, taking a swig of some kind of drink I've gotten there. Not alcoholic, but if I'm bored, I sometimes find myself in front of the pantry or the fridge. I think we're both slightly food-motivated people. I know I'm a food-motivated <laughs> person. So I wonder if it's only people that are food-motivated that go to food when they're bored or hmm. is it just in general anybody? I don't know. I've never thought of it like that. I've always I've never thought of it as food motivated, <laughs> but that is so true because even before <laughs> we came to meet in the office to record this podcast, I was like, okay, if Kate, if you go walk your dog, then you can make yourself a little snack before <laughs> podcasting so I made myself like a protein smoothie with like banana in it I was like okay and I was looking forward to it on my walk so I guess maybe I'm I am food motivated and I don't know I've never dissected that psychiatric trait in clients I think about it in terms of my dog I always put it back to that it's like dogs are either food motivated they're affection Mm. motivated or they're toy motivated and I think people can be that same way so And maybe that goes down the rabbit hole of like, okay, I'm the kind of person who wants to drink wine or I'm the type of person who wants to spend time with someone that I love or I value fun over anything else. Mm. So if I really should be doing this, I'm instead going to go hang out with my friends or I'm going to go to the bar and grab a drink or something like that. That actually makes some sense then because I think about my dog and he's the same way. And I'm thinking about a few friends that I have who when they're bored, they don't think about food. I don't see them just like grab snacks. And these are friends that I've lived with in the past. They're more likely to do something that I wouldn't do that isn't probably as healthy in it's you know it's not any better or worse but they'll get on social media and scroll a lot they'll just watch tv when they're bored and just occupy their mind in other ways that aren't so tangible so it's almost like they would be uh, entertainment motivated yeah i definitely see saw this in myself during covid Mm -hmm. so when we were all working from home and all of our consultations were from home and then will was working will my husband was working from home as well I was the type of person that kept going back to the kitchen to, like, make something exciting to just distract myself from the boredom. And he would shut himself back in that room and never come out. Mm -hmm. So even if he was bored, he was more the type of person who was going to get on his phone, like, check his stock portfolio or, like, some (laughs) Zillow or something like that. He's not going to go in the kitchen and grab food. He had other interests that took precedence over food. Right, exactly. Sometimes I talk to clients about this when they, you know, they do the same thing that I do and you do, because I would be the same kind of person. I'd want to be like, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to eat? If I'm not like physically eating and I'm bored, I'm looking up recipes. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat next. I'm reading about nutrition. I'm probably talking to clients about nutrition because our world just revolves around food. And one thing that I've noticed in myself and a little mantra I tell myself 
is get a life, which sounds stupid. <laughs> and it sounds a little bit aggressive, but I'm like, all right, Kate, like do something interesting. Like do something that occupies your mind, that puts you in a flow state. Because when I'm in a state of flow where I'm really focused and I'm just moving and grooving and my mind's occupied, the time seems to fly and I kind of forget like, oh, I was wanting to munch on something and I don't stop what I'm doing until I feel physically hungry again. So I kind of just tell myself like, get a life. One of the questions that clients ask me is like, how do I tell the difference of whether I'm hungry or whether I just want to eat something? Mm -hmm. And I tell them, ask yourself, would you eat something that you like, but not something that you're excited about? So one of the most common things I think are either carrots or apples. Mm -hmm. So they're not bad, like they taste good, but I'm not really excited to go grab carrots. Mm -hmm. So if I ask myself, would I eat a carrot right now? And if the answer is no, but I would eat that waffle or I would eat whatever it is that's in the fridge that I really want, but I wouldn't eat a carrot, I'm probably not actually hungry Mm because hunger doesn't really differentiate. You would eat a steak, you would eat a carrot, you would eat an apple if you're actually hungry. When you're craving something or you're bored, it's more specific. It's more of a taste that you're looking for, like a sensation, mm-hmm. maybe a little hit of dopamine from that, you know, chocolate chip waffle in your fridge. You don't get the same dopamine hit from carrots or an apple. Right. And that also, what you just said, brings up for me when people are trying to avoid a sensation. So you're trying to avoid feeling sad or mad or angry, or you just got this email that you don't want to think about and you head to the fridge. Mm-hmm. You're just delaying that feeling for another feeling. So, like, grabbing the handful of M&Ms are going to make you feel good for a second. But guess what? That email's not going away. I have a term for that. Okay. I coined it. So, nobody steal this. I have (laughs) patent pending. It's called procrasti-eating. And it's different than emotional eating because emotional eating would be more you're coping with, with, you know, food to feel better for a moment. Procrasti-eating is when you have something you need to do or something you need to face, whether it's having a really hard conversation, whether it's folding laundry, whether it's, you know, sitting down and planning a podcast, and you just are like, all right, I'm going to go eat something before I sit down, and then I'm going to focus. So you get up and you go look and see what's in your fridge. Okay, grab a little bit of this. You sit down, you get a little distracted. You're like, okay, hold on. I want to make sure that I'm really fueled for this next three hours of work I'm going to do. So let me just get up and see if I have something in the pantry to eat. No, you're not actually hungry. You're just procrastinating what you need to do by eating, hence procrastinating. And you really convinced yourself that it's the right thing to do. (laughs) Like you convince yourself, I need this food. I need to go do this before I do this next thing. You know how I think of that? You know, I love my metaphors. I think of this as like a little kid voice in your head saying like, mom, can I have this before (laughs) we do this? I need a snack. (laughs) I need a snack. It's like, I don't want to go. Like, and you just gave your kid a snack to shut him up. It's like, Uh okay. I think of that. I have like these two little voices in my head. I've got this little kid voice, this like young version of Kate. Then I've got the parent version of Kate, the adult version of Kate. And sometimes that little version of Kate's like, can we just have a snack? Like, come on. I don't want to sit down. Like, I don't want to answer this email. I don't want to fold laundry. I don't want to walk the dog. And if I let that little kid voice win over my parent voice every single time, then I'm just snacking mindlessly. But sometimes I have to channel that adult side of me and say, Kate, you just ate 30 minutes ago. You're not hungry. You don't need a snack. You can eat again when you're hungry. You're fine. Hey, Megan here, the co-host of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. 
So in our private practice, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers, and I recognize that many of the traits that made them successful in business were actually detrimental to their health. So I wrote a book about it. In my book, The Optimized Life, I pinpoint six different personality traits that hold you back from reaching your health and wellness goals, as well as laying out a series of steps to overcome those obstacles and help you reach your ultimate health and wellness goals for good. Whether you're in the beginning stages of a side hustle or a seasoned entrepreneur with multiple businesses under your belt, the Optimized Life will provide you with the systems you need to forever change your relationship with food, diets, and exercise. But don't just take my word for it. Here's an Amazon review from a reader. I can honestly say this book has changed my life. First off, everyone who knows me knows I don't read books often, and I had a hard time putting this down. I actually finished the book. I have tried every fad diet there is, and I've struggled with weight loss my entire life. I can finally say I found a sustainable and healthy way of living, and I'm no longer dieting. The education this book provides is all backed with research and knowledge and is really an eye-opener to a lot of things. I've never been a morning person, and for the first time in my life, I have not needed an alarm clock and have been up before 7 a.m. for almost a month straight. Who am I? The entire book, I kept thinking, is she speaking directly to me? It's so relatable and easy to read. I love that I feel so confident and no longer have to worry about quitting my diet or falling off the wagon because this is my new way of life. I worked with Megan before reading the book, and all of her knowledge and this book helped me to lose 60 pounds. The 60 pounds is an awesome accomplishment, but my favorite part is that I don't have a bad relationship with food anymore. I'm still working on myself, but for the first time, I'm listening to my body and fueling it like it deserves. 10 out of 10 recommend this book to anyone, not only people trying to lose weight, but anyone who wants a healthier life. So, don't just take my word for it. Get the book. It is available on Amazon, and it is called The Optimized Life. The other thing that I think helps with this, and we, like, we talk about this point all the time, but making sure that your snack has everything that you need in it, Mm -hmm. because there's no point in having a snack if it's not going to have all the nutrients that you need, because Mm -hmm. the point of it is to get you from one meal to the next, right? So if you only have one aspect of a macronutrient, so like if you have a carb, like that apple we talked about, if there's no protein and fat, you're going to want protein and fat an hour later, or you're going to want more carb because your body wasn't fulfilled with just that apple. So that can kind of cause you to go back to the pantry, back to the fridge again, because you never had everything that your body really needed at once. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good point. It's like you just have that naked carb where you don't pair it with anything substantial, you don't get any satiety from it, no staying power, your body digests it really quickly, uses up that energy, and then it's like, all right, next, what's next? Need Mm -hmm. more fuel, need Mm -hmm. more something, something. So balancing out any kind of snack that you have. I like to think of those as mini meals instead of just snacks. I Mm -hmm. think some people, when they think of snacks, they think, all right, I'm going to open up a bag of potato chips or popcorn, Mm -hmm. and you get that snack sensation where you're just automatically putting something crunchy and salty or sweet in your mouth, not really giving you any nutrients. When you think of a snack more as a mini meal, it forces you to frame something that's more balanced. For instance, an apple, a, a slices of apple could be a snack, but apple slices with peanut butter and a cheese stick is more of a mini meal. Mm-hmm. It's going to satisfy you for hours. It's going to hold you over. It's not going to make you keep thinking about food if you're eating the appropriate portion. Right. So how do, if we have someone who's like, you know what, I had a fulfilling snack, I'm still thinking about food, I keep going to the pantry when I should be answering this email, 
What do we tell them? Oh, man. Well, I guess it would depend on a lot of things. I'd first want to know what they're eating throughout the day. So if they're having a healthy snack, but then all day long they either weren't eating, maybe they were fasting, uh, maybe they were eating really light breakfasts, or maybe they were really, really active in the morning and just didn't eat or busy and preoccupied, I'd first want to say, okay, well, were you eating enough food early in the day to satisfy your hunger? But Kate, that's scary. I got to save my (laughs) calories for dinner. I know, right? Right. Well, and if you keep doing that, you're probably going to be exactly where you are today. So if you keep repeating history, you're going to have the same issue. There is such a narrative in the diet industry, in any kind of fitness culture, uh, where it's, okay, eat less, do more, eat less, do more. And that just makes people scared to eat more in the morning. And we had talked about on our bloating podcast how I think some people are scared to eat in the morning because the natural expansion of your stomach is just gonna happen if you eat and people try to prolong that morning skinny feel and then they just end up snacking all day or eating a large dinner and snacks after dinner so i'd say reframe and experience or experiment with how you're eating during the day and front load some of that nutrition and see if that helps with those constant thoughts about food do you have clients who say i don't eat breakfast because if i do i'm hungry all day Whereas if I just don't eat breakfast, I'm not hungry. I can remember I had this manager at American Eagle when I was like 16 years old who told me that. He was like this like real weird dude. And I I just remember a lot about him, to be honest. And I remember him saying that and me gawking like, you don't eat breakfast. And this was before intermittent fasting was even talked about at all. He was like, no, I just feel hungry all day. I'd rather just work and, and not feel hungry. And so whenever people tell me that, I first think of him. And then I remember, I'm like, oh, this dude would eat like a huge thing of Panda Express for lunch at the mall. And it was like a horrendous portion of food. And it made no sense to me then because I wasn't thinking about it. And now I'm like, oh, well, of course you're going to be hungry after you eat. Your body is needing fuel during the day. I tell metabolism Yeah, I tell people to think about, like, you. your metabolism doesn't start until you put something in the system. Yeah. So you put something in the system, and then a couple hours later, it tells you that it's hungry. Like, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to those cues instead of shutting them all down mm-hmm. and saying, no, body, you're stupid. You don't need food mm-hmm. all day. It's a good thing to have physical hunger cues <clears throat> periodically throughout the day. It means your body is working the way it should. If I have someone who tells me that they're not hungry all day long and they eat one or two big meals and then if they get their metabolism tested and they show me their RMR, their resting metabolic rate, more often than not, it's pretty slow or it's a bit lower. I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. You're not eating a whole lot and you're not eating frequently and you're not doing a whole lot of exercise to increase your metabolism. makes sense why you're not getting those natural hunger cues. So then we have to do a little bit of meal restructuring. I also feel like a lot of those people that say when they eat breakfast, they're hungry all day is because their breakfast sucks. Yeah. So they're grabbing those little Belvita blueberry muffin <laughs> cookies that they think are super healthy or the Nature Valley oat bars. They have whole grains. Like that. <laughs> something that looks healthy on the outside, but is very carb heavy, again, without much protein or fat for staying power. And yeah, you are going to be hungry again because your blood sugar spiked and then dropped and your body wants to recover. Yeah, the marketing on those things really does the trick. You see it, they've got whole grains on the cover, they've got blueberries, they've got all these pretty images that just signal health, but they don't satisfy you. And then I, I find a lot of people feel really guilty about being hungry after they eat those things. Like, I shouldn't be hungry, especially because don't the Belvita packets have like a little clock on them that says staying power for four hours? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know this. I'm pretty sure they do. It tells you you get staying power for four hours. I'm like, how can they make that claim? <laughs> <laughs> how, who are they measuring? How, everybody's different. You're huh. telling me that that's going to 
fill somebody up who just did an intense CrossFit workout for four hours. Like, Interesting. No. I, didn't, I haven't seen that. I think people just will look at that and be like, oh, okay, well, this is how my body is supposed to work. And then they get angry when their body is saying, feed me, fool. Like, I need more than just this dinky cracker. Yeah, at 10 a.m. and you feel like I can't even make it to lunch because of what I had for breakfast. And in that same vein that you were talking about, like we need to reevaluate what you're eating. It's not necessarily that there's something wrong with you. It's your body is sending you a signal for a reason. Don't Mm -hmm. discount that. Figure out why it's sending you that signal. That's where the food and mood journals come in handy. We've talked about these on our podcast. I think a lot of our clients use the food and mood journal regardless of what kind of tracking they're doing. And it's reflecting on their own hunger cues and what their body's telling them. So it's really helpful for us when we have clients come in here and they keep a detailed food and mood journal. And they're like, I was so hungry at 3 p.m. I just grabbed a bowl of cereal and a banana and I couldn't stop eating. And then we look at their breakfast and what they did during the day and like, oh, well, you worked out for an hour and then for breakfast you had oatmeal with orange juice. Of course you're going to be hungry. We can really go back and add more calories and more protein, healthy fats in the beginning of the day and test and see how that impacts their cravings and hunger. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people keeping their food and mood journals now just with the note on their phone instead of the pen and paper because I'd have people do the pen and paper and they'd be like, well, I'm on the go now. Now that's not COVID and Mm -hmm. I'm out running around again. I'm not doing that. And then they just invite me to the note on their phone. And then that way before they come in, we just review it together. And so even if you don't have someone reviewing it, I feel like that takes the excuse out of it. It's just a note in your phone. Like you can't, you always have your phone with you. I love when clients do that because then they'll come in and I don't even have to ask them the questions that I would want to ask them. It, they come in and they're like, you wouldn't believe this. You know, I noticed this and your recommendation for this did this. And it really just forces the person to look at what they're eating and think about how it affects them. I also think having the visual of seeing all that they're eating throughout the day really helps them want to choose something else to do besides eat when they're bored or just kind of feeling like they want to do something with their hands or get that mouth feel. It's like, oh, look at all this food I ate. Am I actually hungry? Yes or no. If it's no, do something else. You can always eat again or check back in with your body in 20, 30, 45 minutes. I talk about this in the book a little bit, how As humans, we tend to remember the positive things that we do and we forget the negative things. So if you had two chocolate chip cookies at 10 a.m. because you were hungry, you're going to forget that tomorrow or you're going to forget that in four hours when you go to grab the pack of peanut M&Ms. You're like, well, this is my treat for the day. And you totally forget about those two chocolate chip cookies. But you're much more likely to come in here and remember the beautiful butternut squash enchiladas that you made for dinner because you put all this effort into it and it was this positive experience and you're proud of yourself, but you forgot about the seven slices of pizza you had at 10 p.m. (laughs) last Friday because you're pushing that totally out of your mind. And it's not that you're doing it to be deceiving. It's just human nature Mm -hmm. to forget about the negative. And that's a survival mechanism for us so we can keep going, keep living, and keep being positive. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really nice, but then it doesn't help you if you're doing it all the time. Exactly. So that's why there's no harm in writing down your food. I would say there are really, really rare exceptions that I wouldn't recommend that for somebody. And that would be if they're really in the midst of struggling with disordered eating and that would trigger them. But that's, that's usually not the case. I think for most people, keeping a food log, regardless if you want to keep calories in there or if you just want to keep portions in there or nothing at all, just kind of writing down what you're eating as little or as much detail as you want, 
it's beneficial for 99% of people. In the new app that you actually told me about, mm-hmm. that 8 app, where yeah. you just take a photo of your food, you don't have to type out anything, and then it asks you prompts afterwards, and all you have to do is click on those prompts. Like, it will say, did you feel full or satisfied? Did you feel disgusting or terrible or tired or fatigued after you ate this or when you ate this? Did you eat this at home or did you eat this out? And you can put in as much information or as little information as you want, but it's something that can keep you accountable on the day-to-day, on the meal-to-meal, so that you don't in two weeks from now be like why didn't I see any of the results that I wanted and then you don't really know why because all you're remembering is all the good stuff that you did I love that app I think it's so helpful and it's really helpful for busy people especially busy moms I actually had a daily accountability program client find it and she was really concerned about portion control and she would be sending me photos just individually throughout the day and just kind of holding herself accountable in that sense with, okay, here's the portions that I'm eating. And that app made it so easy for us in one image to look at all that she had eaten in a day. And then the added benefit of just being able to tap in her feelings and her hunger cues really, really helped. And if you don't like apps, I mean, you can still take photos. I just think it was really helpful for people that already had a busy schedule and felt a bit overwhelmed by traditional fitness trackers like mm-hmm. my fitness pal because those do take some time mm-hmm. especially when you first start using them and the app doesn't recognize the foods that you're eating frequently it's really really helpful and it's ate and it has an orange background if you're mm-hmm. looking for it on the app yeah. store the eight app what about people who are bored at work and find themselves eating a lot or on the road or at the airport and they're just kind of used to using food as something that makes a let's say mundane experience more exciting for that type of person depending on where you are what you're doing i call it a redirect so we need the brain to think about something else do something else the easiest one that can be done anywhere whether you're in an airport at work in your car whatever is taking 10 deep breaths and i mean deep breaths like you're breathing all the way in for at least five seconds you're breathing all the way out for at least five seconds and you're doing 10 of those breaths that doesn't take a short period of time to do. Like it's even doing two deep breaths for me totally re-energizes my brain. I can feel the oxygenation going to my brain. So what that does is it enables you to actually take some time to think about like, am I actually hungry right now? Am I making a good decision? Is this something that I'm going to be proud of? Or is this something that I'm going to regret later? Or is this something I'm just procrastinating from the next thing that I need to do? So 10 deep breaths sounds stupid, sounds woo woo. It is not try it (laughs) it's science (laughs) exactly it's science exactly second type of redirect if you're in an environment where this can work if you're working from home do something physical it does not have to be a 20 minute workout it can be five push-ups it can be a walk around the block it can be going up and down your stairs three times Mm -hmm. something again to get you out of that zone of i'm thinking of this and this can work for anything whether it's boredom eating whether it's you're in a meeting where you feel like every time you're in this meeting, your anxiety levels go through the roof, like do something physical, do something active to get your brain out of the spot that it's in right now. Deep breaths, something active. Those are my two big things. Can I add a third one? Absolutely. Journaling. I think that's really Mm -hmm. helpful. I have a client on daily accountability program right now who finds that she has these habits of just kind of reminiscing on some stressful things in her life. She's in an environment right now. It's a bit triggering. I almost hate using that word, but it's a bit triggering for her. And whenever she starts to feel emotional, her go-to would be 
go to go to get eat food. I'll mm-hmm. go to snack, go to get something. Um, and then it was really hard for her to stop eating once she'd start. Journaling was a game changer for her. She just kept a little notebook at her desk, and whenever she found herself thinking about food or feeling emotional, she put a timer on five minutes, journal for five minutes, and oh, after wow. journal, and yeah. that's it. That's it. And you could do sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of exploring whatever you're feeling and. I think one thing that I always tell people who want to try this, who are open to trying this, is nobody ever has to read what you write. You don't have to write for somebody. You can shred it afterwards. You can scribble all over it so no one can read it. Just do unfiltered reflection, thought. You can write about what you're feeling for food. You can write about literally anything happy, sad, and then give yourself permission to eat afterwards if you're hungry. And more often than not, you'll find that you're not hungry. It was just a little bit of a desire. Agreed. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was it's helpful to plan snacks in advance, Mm. um, especially if you find yourself just mindfully eating specific things. I know for me, if I have cereal in the house, that would be like the first thing that I'm going to go for if I'm feeling a bit snacky. So instead of depriving myself of cereal, I buy cereals that actually have some nutrition, some fiber, some protein, and then I pair that with something else that gives me staying power, something more of like a mini meal. So instead of just having a bowl of cereal that doesn't do a whole lot for me, well, I'll top it on some kind of coconut or Greek yogurt. Then I feel really satiated. I'm not going to just keep snacking and refilling my bowl because I actually get something from that. So having a list of mini meals or planned snacks that are your go-to that you always keep stocked that you re-pick up when you go to the grocery store can also really help you have something to go to when you are feeling a little bit munchy and genuinely hungry. Yeah, and things, all of those things need to have the proper balance of nutrients mm-hmm. in them because if your go-to snack is a bag of popcorn, yeah. it's not going to be helpful. I don't care if it's skinny pop, if it's <laughs> boom chicka pop. You know, it's helpful for people who like those kinds of things. Half what your normal serving would be and then add something else in there that gets you those nutrients. Yeah, so instead of it's having not a, that you can't have it. Right. It's just, you know, instead of having four cups of Skinny Pop, have one or two and a handful of almonds. Yep. Agreed. What are some of your go-to balanced snacks lately? So um, RX bars are always in my pantry all the time because they have them at Costco and I can buy the big box of them and I can get chocolate. So I usually... I'm more of like the sweet person when it comes to snacks in the afternoon. That's when I usually want something chocolatey. So it has to be something chocolatey that has protein in it. So right now, RX bars have been my go-to and I don't have to put in any effort and I just kind of grab that and go. And then also, you stocked our office with the Trader Joe's okay. <laughs> trail, chocolate trail mix. And I don't know if that was a trick, but I've been eating those too. <laughs> I ate the last one yesterday. <laughs> Those ones, yeah. I mean, they're they're nuts with a little bit of dark chocolate, so you get the best of both worlds. And I like those because in between sessions, I can have like half of it, and mm-hmm. then thirty minutes, sixty minutes later, I can have the other half. Yeah. So it's nice to break it up. Yeah, I, I like stuff like that. The kind of portion controlled snacky feel where you get to like reach your hand back in the bag and keep going, but it's already portion controlled, and then I'm not hungry afterward. The RX bars are a little tough in between clients because they get stuck in your teeth, <laughs> and then the whole time I'm wondering if I have. 
dates in my teeth. Have you ever had a client show up early and you're snacking? Yeah. And they walk in here and they're like, oh, sorry. And you're yep. like, nope, we're fine. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> all yep. the time. All the time. Or when I'm heating up my lunch and I think I have 15 minutes to eat it and then they show up and I'm like, I have salmon that I just put in the <laughs> microwave. And I'm like, man, I just ruined this session. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Just put it back. And yeah, exactly. Spray some Febreze. Yeah, exactly. So the last point about boredom talking, or boredom talking, maybe I'm bored talking to you. That's what it is. <laughs> boredom eating that I wanted to bring up was the after dinner boredom snacking. I think this gets a lot of people, especially if they're not eating enough during the day, but a lot of people's routines after dinner is to sit down on the couch with the family, zone out in front of Netflix, and typically that means pairing something snacky for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What would be your best advice for someone who just has this dependence? Or let me add another layer because a lot of the tips that we talked about earlier could also be applied to after dinner snacking. But what if everybody on the house is snacking and they're trying not to snack? I usually, so I do one of two things. I say like, is this something that's going to continue to happen that you want to have a snack at this point? Or is this a habit that you want to break? Mm -hmm. And I have them make that decision. So if it's a habit that they want to break, I'll have them choose a cutoff time. So if 8.30 is the cutoff time, then you're done eating at 8.30 and nothing else occurs after 8.30. And that's just the rule of the house and that's what's going to happen. If it's not a habit that you want to break and you want to partake in having snacks with your family, I kind of ask them, are you more of like a salty person, a sweet person? Do we need to come up with options that you will feel good about that aren't going to be a thousand calories towards the end of your day? Mm-hmm. So usually we'll come up with five or so salty or five or so sweet or five combination of things that you could have after dinner it's satisfying to you it tastes good and there's still some nutrients in there so for example something like i love those yasso bars Mm -hmm. they're greek frozen greek yogurt bars they have some protein in them they're not like a break the bank type calorie situation they have great flavors so raspberry chocolate chip mint chocolate chip cookie dough all the typical ice cream flavors uh, but they taste really good and you can sit there and you the whole family will enjoy them i haven't had any client try them and be like oh these are disgusting i don't like these they usually like them so something like that something like grabbing a handful of walnuts with two pieces of your favorite dark chocolate is another good one when it comes to salty stuff maybe something like the benitos chips Mm -hmm. that have they're made from beans so they have protein in them and then a dip like guacamole or hummus that's also going to have some nutrients in it too if it's more of like we're sitting and sitting down and i want to chomp on something that would be a good idea there i like that idea the one with the bonitos. I forgot mm-hmm. about those. Those are so good. Mm-hmm. I find those, if you don't pair them with a dip, they're easy to overeat. But when, when you put it on a nice little plate and the presentation's really nice and you sit down and you really enjoy it, then it's really satisfying and you don't have that same urge that you would with maybe Lay's chips where it's just like keep going and keep going because they have the fiber. Yeah, and it needs, what I really emphasize is it needs to be something that you enjoy eating mm-hmm. because then at that moment, you're probably not eating out of hunger. And that's just life. There are going to be times that you eat that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. out of hunger. It's going to be out of pure enjoyment. And so we need to just recognize that I'm eating right now for enjoyment. So I'm going to try to get something that I enjoy that also has nutrients in it that isn't going to break my day that I worked so hard and I planned all these meals out for and I planned my snacks and I had everything and now I'm disappointed in myself because I ate a whole bag Mm -hmm. of potato chips. You're planning for that part of the day as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, and not judging yourself for it. So when you plan ahead, it really alleviates some of that judgment. 
Mm-hmm. I'll share a few of my favorite things real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to blend up some kind of protein or fruit smoothie at night because that's almost like a little bit of an ice cream treat, mm-hmm. and you can pick and choose flavor and add-ins, and it's something that I like because I'll just enjoy it. If I just drink a protein powder shook up with water, that's not good. <laughs> if I put it in the blender with some fruit, I'm like, ooh, this tastes really good. Mm-hmm. And the and consistency. And oh, yeah, <laughs> peanut butter is really good. I always, I'm a huge like Greek yogurt cottage cheese person, so topping that with fruit also kind of gives me that same like ice cream sensation i think that's what i go for because growing up we always had ice cream in the house and okay. we'd have like a bowl of ice cream a mm-hmm. lot of times mm-hmm. so i always look for things like that i'm usually not craving the salty stuff after dinner yeah same coconut collaborative i don't know if you've seen this yeah. brand but they have these little they call them chocolate ganache cups and they're coconut milk based so they have some healthy fats in there but they're very decadent it's a teeny tiny little cup but you you eat it and it's like, how is this ever going to keep me full or how is this ever going to satisfy me? But it's super decadent, super satisfying, especially good for females around that cycle time mm-hmm. when they're craving chocolatey sweet stuff to make sure they're getting more of those healthy fats in. Coconut Collaborative. I've found them at Fresh Market and Whole Foods. Is it Plant Collaborative or Coconut Collaborative? I think it's Coconut Collaborative. Okay. It's all plant-based They're products. like They remind me of um, like little pudding cups. Yeah, they, ex- yeah, exactly. But it's way better than pudding. Yeah, it doesn't taste like that. <laughs> it's not like the diet. Did you ever like eat sugar-free di- oh like God, pudding and jello? Of course. Yeah. I, I lived through that time, of course. Yeah, the, the bad ten, times. The 10-calorie jello. Yeah. And I would eat like five of yeah. them. <laughs> so then you'd feel like pregnant. Disgusting yeah. afterwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The sugar-free pudding cups with a little swirl in the middle. Bill Cosby. He was the the spokesperson for the. Well, that tells you all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a lot about boredom eating. We'll wrap this up with a healthy or not. Didn't think of a healthy or not before we did this. Usually we do that. Jello cups. <laughs> Jello. I was, I was thinking. No. Hard pass. Pass. Hard freaking. At least pass. the sugar free ones. If you genuinely enjoy Jello, first off, are you eighty? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Second of all, yeah, just go for the regular kind. It's probably gonna satisfy you, and you're gonna just have a w- one Jello cup, I guess, and call it good. <laughs> you know, what? actually, I did like. There were those Jellos, like. Dull type jello things that would have actual chunks of fruit in them. Well, that grosses me you out. Gross. It's both of those textures together. Really? Just, uh-uh, no. Oh, I used to like those when I was like in high school and stuff. Like my mom would buy them and I don't mind them. No, and then my grandma made jello salad for um, like holidays. With and pretzels it was... in it? No, hers didn't have pretzels. It was just fruit and coconut and it was like whipped cream on top. Very weird. Nobody ever ate it. She always forgot to put it out. <laughs> Too. So then, like at the end of the meal, everyone would be done. She's like, oh, "I forgot the Jello salad." And then bring it out, and everyone would be like, "Well, now we want pumpkin pie." Yeah, Jello salad. salad. Uh, I don't know. I'd maybe buy. I'd bite it, do it, you know, try it. But the only kind of Jello I think I like now is Jello shots, especially for Fourth of July. <laughs> Red, white, and blue Jello shots. Yeah, I've made those like every year since high school. They're a thing. So that's the one time I'll have jello and I don't buy the sugar free. And again, that's a not healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it makes people like you. Everyone gets excited when you open up the that's cooler. That's true. When you're the person that brought the jello shots to you're the like, party, you're, and you're popular. They look like you really put a lot of effort into it, but really I just kind of did it while I was getting ready, like in between putting on my makeup and getting my hair done. I was like, well, I'll just put some of this jello in a bowl, heat it up, put it in the fridge, call it a day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. 
And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.